God, we do come before you now. We lift John up before you. As he is not doing well with this virus. We pray that God, you would supernaturally heal him. Uh, heal him from this wicked uh, virus now, God. I, pr I pray that. I pray that if it's not your means of grace to supernaturally heal him, I pray that you would use the doctors, the nurses to uh, bring comfort and healing to him. And uh, God, I pray that he would uh, see this in his life as a way uh, to see and draw him back to yourself. And so, God, I, I pray for him now as he's, uh, wherever he's at, he's at home or in the hospital, that you would intervene on his behalf. And uh, God, we do ask that you would comfort his mom and his dad as they struggle, uh, not even be able to see him and to, to take care of him. I pray that for his family as well. If he does have a family, if they're not able to interact with him, I pray that, God, you would just watch over them as well. And pray for that for everyone, God, that continues to be infected and affected by this uh, this virus. That we would continue to look away from our circumstances and take our eyes and focus them on you. And I pray for us this morning as we look into your holy word, I pray that it would bring us much hope, much encouragement, uh, and much renewal. And uh, God, that we can continue. As you tell us in your, your word, uh, that your word is a firm foundation. And God, as much uh, as going on in the world around us that is not firm, that we have no bedrock to really rest on, we have the promise of from you of your holy word uh, that it is a firm bedrock for us. And we can hold on fast that Christ is our cornerstone. He holds it all together. And so your word is our bedrock and your son is the thing that holds us and so I pray for us this morning as we look at your holy, divine, and errant, inspired, infallible word, that you would give us great hope today. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your uh, laptop, your iPad, whatever you may have with the Bible on it, please join me in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And one of the things I miss is when we stand up here and we say, let's turn to God's word. And we get to hear the pages of God's uh, word um, rustle, if you will, to the right passage. Uh, so it's lonely not to, to get to hear even the pages of God's word turn together. So, but this is what God's word says in Hebrews chapter 6. And this is our hope this morning. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham... Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For, for people swear by themselves greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is the final confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise of the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchanging things in which is impossible, which, which is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled from refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner peace behind the curtain, 
where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. May we be blessed by the reading of God's holy word this morning. This week, as I've been preparing and just wrestling with the Lord, as you know, I'm not a huge guy that likes to jump all over the word of God for a message. I'm not typically a top a topical preacher. I like to do expository, verse by verse, book by book, um, teaching through God's word. And so it's been very difficult for me uh, the last three weeks to every week kind of just hear from the Lord and what is God saying to us and what would God want for us. And uh, this week in particular, just thought to myself, how many more times, God, do I and will I need to preach on this uh, coronavirus and all that we're going through. And I just wrestled with the Lord with that and just asked that he'd be kind to me and good to me and reveal his word to me and what he would have for us. And again, this is very rare. I was running yesterday morning on the treadmill asking God to do this. And uh, this passage of scripture awakened in my heart. And I began to read this passage uh, about uh, hope and, uh, and about God is sending us an anchor of our hope. And that's why the title of the message this morning is, is our anchored hope. I heard some very alarming stats this week that troubled my heart. Uh, the, the first one was this, that over the last three weeks, we've seen an increase of alcohol, both consumption. Well, if, if it's consumption, it's got to be bought. So both buying, purchasing alcohol and consuming alcohol. Uh, we are hearing that more and more uh, domestic violence is increasing and child abuse is increasing. And a, a very, very troubling stat for me I heard this week that six, our hotline, our national hotline and our state hotline, for the suicide hotline, has risen to over 60% of what it normally is. And so I begin to wonder and think and pray about those stats and, and began to think, you know, suicide comes from a place of hopelessness, that people are beginning to lose hope. And, you know, we put our hope in the stock market. We've seen the stock market crash like we haven't seen in a long time. We've seen unemployment rise in a way it's ne never been in a, in a long time. And so all these places that we tend to put our hope are kind of crashing beneath us. And people are desiring a place to put their hope. And so for me, when I came to this passage, uh, e even yesterday morning, that word jumped out on the page to me. Hope. Hope can be defined as this. This is the Webster's Dictionary definition of hope. A feeling of expectation and desire for a sure thing to happen. And so we have this hope. If you're anything like me, I am hoping soon that this virus is over. But as the experts are telling us, it looks like the worst is still yet to come. And we, we've seen that even in the last two days. Uh, Jared and I and Jenny were talking at home and we, we've seen the numbers increase exponentially. Uh, two days ago, we had seen the first day of a, a thousand deaths in our country because of this virus. Yesterday, that thousand number went up to 1,300. And so today there's this... Um, a possibility that we'll see that number even increase. And so as those numbers increase, as the uh, confirmed cases increase, I, I believe our nation, we're becoming more and more and more hopeless. 
And so this morning, I want to look at where do we anchor our hope? My, my prayer has been this, that we would leave today's message, leave uh, reading and hearing from God's word with a sense of hope. I do have a basic outline. The basic outline is this about our hope. Our hope must rest in the promises of God. We see that in the character of God. We see that in Abraham's patiently waiting on a hope to be fulfilled. And lastly, we'll see Christ's provision. Now, I probably will not stick to that outline very much as I was praying even uh, 20 minutes ago. Uh, Jonathan asked me if I was nervous and I said I was nervous. It, I just at that moment didn't feel uh, like the message was kind of coming together after all that I had prepared and put into. So I may not go directly from that outline. Uh, if you want that outline again, it's God's promises, verse 13, God's character, verse 14, Abraham's patience, verse 15, and Christ's provision, verses 16 through 20. But I want to look at the passage and I want to look at where does our hope come from? Where can we find hope today? And this is what the, the word says. Well, the first thing is this, that we can put our hope in God's promise. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham. Now, if you remember back in our study, we've just begun to study in the, the life of Abraham uh, in chapter 12. We're going to get to this uh, in, in the coming weeks when we get back to studying Genesis together. But God had made a promise to Abraham. Remember that God had chosen Abraham out of a desolate land, a, a, a pagan to a, from a pagan family, and said to Abraham, hey, I'm going to do something in your life that's going to be a fulfillment of what I've been talking about from Genesis chapter 3. That out of your descendants, Abraham, there will be someone that comes that will give hope to the world, a savior to the world. And so over and over in the life of Abraham, we see these mile marker moments of that hope. And the, the promise was this. We see it in the passage. The promise comes out of Genesis chapter 12. But he says this. The writer of Hebrews is quoting Genesis chapter 12. where He says, surely I will bless you and multiply you. So the promise of God to Abraham was that God was going to give Abraham many descendants. And out of that, those descendants was going to be one descendant that was going to bring peace to the nations. And so, again, uh, maybe like you, Abraham got discouraged. So that, that promise was made to Abraham when Abraham was about 75 years old. And the promise came to a man and to a woman that were old and to a woman that was barren. She could not have children. And yet God had made a promise to what you and I would see on the circumstances as a very hopeless, pointless situation. That God is going to use a man and a woman in their late 70s to have a child that will eventually have children that will bless the world. And then we see again that Abraham began to get discouraged. Began to get hopeless. We see that in Sarah. That Sarah had this hopelessness feeling that that promise from God would ever be fulfilled. And so Sarah, in her control, says to Abraham, hey, just sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. Just go lie with her. And then that promise from God will be fulfilled through her. 
And so that's what Abraham does. Abraham, in his discouragement and his hopelessness, found a glimmer of hope. Maybe that is the way that God is going to do it. And so, as you know, the story, he goes and sleeps with his maidservant. They have a child. And then God comes back and says to Abraham and to Sarah, no, that, that is not the promise of the hope that I want to fulfill. I promise you, I will use you and her to bring a child into this world. And many, many years later passed uh, when Sarah finally had a child. At 75, the promise was given to uh, Abraham. And at 100, that promise was fulfilled. Now, I, I just want you to imagine with me for a moment all those days and hours and months and years of sitting, waiting for hope to be fulfilled. Now, we've only been doing this for about a month. God forbid we do it for years to come. But this is we have a promise from God. I'm going to get to that in a minute. We do have a promise that God has offered us before Corona ever showed up on the picture. And we've got to focus our hope on that promise. And so finally, God in his goodness gives the baby to Abraham. And now about 12, 13 years later, after the promise had come to Abraham and to Sarah, God says to Abraham about the promised child. Hey, now I want you to take this promised child, the, the one that has fulfilled the hope that you've been longing for. I want you to take that boy. I want you to go up on the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, again, what do you think happened in the heart of Sarah and Abraham when God said to them, hey, you're going to bless us and give us a promise in this child. And now you're telling us you want us to sacrifice the child. But see, something had happened in the heart of Abraham over those years. God had been working in the heart of Abraham. And Abraham, when God spoke to him to sacrifice Isaac, he responded with yes. With no hesitation. And then he, he's walking with Isaac and two servants up to the mountain. And the boy begins to, uh, even the, the young man, Isaac, begins to find that place of hopelessness. Like he starts looking around at the dad carrying some wood. He starts it looking at these two servants carrying some rope and the knife. And like Isaac has this epiphany that like, hey, we have everything for a sacrifice, but the one thing we need for a sacrifice, the sacrifice itself. And then there's that discussion with Abraham and Isaac. And basically, Abraham says to Isaac, you will be the sacrifice. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I can't imagine as a father saying that to a son, the hopelessness that must have felt. And I can't imagine as a son hearing that from a father, the hopelessness that must have felt. But we see these two hearts were obedient to God. And so Abraham binds up Isaac and lays him on the altar. And I, I don't think it was a peaceful scene. I could imagine the angst in young Isaac's heart, the tears flowing from his cheeks, the screams as Abraham took the knife up over his head and shoulders to smash it into uh, the chest of Isaac to lay Isaac dead. And all of a sudden, God speaks and says, 
No, no, I now see that you trust me, Abraham. It's in those moments and the moments before that that the Hebrew writer says it was counted to Abraham as righteousness through his obedience to God. But I want to look at this morning, more in particular, what was it that Abraham believed in? Did he believe in the promise of God? Did he believe in that God would use uh, him to bless a nation? You, you see, we can get distracted in this passage to, to think that Abraham simply believed in the promise that, that was made to him. But that's not the point of the passage. That's not the point of the story in Genesis chapter 12 through uh, the rest, the 25 chapters of Abraham. The point of all of this is where can we trust God? The promises of God, it does not lie within his promises. We can't simply just trust God because of his promises. Our anchor cannot be simply in the promises of God. Simply, though they are. But I want to tell us this morning, our hope, Abraham's hope, was not simply in the promise, but it was in the character of God. He believed in who God was not just what God had promised him, but he believed in the heart of God and who God was. And we see that here in this passage. We see that in verse 13. We see that in verse 16. We see that again in verse 17 and 18. It says this, for God made a promise to Abraham since he had no one greater by whom to swear by. He swore by himself. That God made a promise and he stamped that promise with himself, his own character. We see that again in, in the, the verse uh, 16. He says this, for people swear by something greater than themselves. And all that they dispute, an oath is the final thing that brings confirmation or, or brings the settlement. An oath is this. An oath is taken to seal one's word with one's very life. We see that again when God says, or the writer of Hebrews says about God in verse 17. So God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise. The heirs of the promise are you and me. We are the heirs of the promise that God had made to Abraham that a descendant of people, a, a nation would rise up out of Abraham. We are that descendant. We are that heir because we've placed our hope and faith in Christ. And he's saying to us, I want to show you the heirs of that promise. Some things, the unchangeable character of his purpose. And he guaranteed it with an oath. He wants to show us his unchanging character. The theological word for that is the un, the immutability of God. God is unchanging. And therefore, if God is unchanging, all of his attributes are unchanging. God took a oath within himself. There is no greater thing that God could take an oath in but himself. And God made a promise into himself. And the promise was this. I promised that the promise will be fulfilled. And I promise my very life on that, that promise. Now here's the thing with God. God cannot die. And so God is saying to us, I'm making a promise and my promise will be fulfilled. Because I cannot be defeated. And then he says this about the character of God. There's two things. There's two unchanging things about God. The first one is his immutability. His character cannot change. 
The second one is twofold. He cannot lie, and he always keeps his promises. See, that is the promise of God. That is the character of God. And my hope for us as a church, my hope for us as a nation, my hope for us as the heirs of this world that belong to Christ is our hope this morning is not in the promises of God. Because you and I don't always get to see the promises of God. Even Abraham himself did not get to see the promises of God fulfilled. Abraham was not old enough, did not live long enough to see the promised one come, Christ, come. He didn't see that. Abraham didn't even get to see the promised land that he was promised. He died before he ever got to see the promised land. All these promises that God had made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, most of them Abraham never saw. Yes, he saw the promise fulfilled in Isaac. But that's one of the very few promises that Abraham got to see. But the promise that Abraham got to experience his whole life was the character of God. He got to see God's goodness. He got to see God's kindness. He got to see God's love. He got to see God's provision. And on and on and on we go. That Abraham, though he did not see the promises of God all be fulfilled, he got to experience God's character. And I wonder, church, for us, are we focused more on the promises of God in this crisis? That God will see us through, that God will see us through. Yes and amen, I believe that. But what if he doesn't? Like there is no promise that he's ever made that says this, that he's going to take us through all persecution. The only promises that is made about persecution is that we will face it. But there is no promise that he'll see us through it. Other than see us through it in the sense of we, he will always be with us in it. And there is a promise of something greater to come outside of the persecution. We may die in our persecution. And that is what the Hebrew writer is telling the people that he's writing to. They were facing much persecution. This was the early church. And they faced persecution after persecution after persecution. And their hope began to dwindle. Even just in the chapter before, in the chapter before, they began to believe in the uh, uh, the apostate, things that weren't true. And the Hebrew writer is going to bring them back to their hope. And it's not the, the hope of the promise. It's the hope of the character of God. And so, church, do we believe in the character of God? His goodness, his kindness, his love, his mercy, his immutability and on and on and on I could go you see God took an oath unto himself that he and his character would never change and then he says this he said this is about the character of God he guaranteed it that's a guarantee it's smashed it's stamped with his Approval, and it's his approval. We know that it always comes to fruition. And then he says this He's going to tell us and show us his character has been revealed to us by Christ's provision. Christ is the provision of God's great character. He says this in verse 17. 
He says, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. That word refuge is taking out of Deuteronomy where the, that the people of God had set cities of refuge up. And the cities of refuge were this, that people that had done things of manslaughter or murder could run to to find protection. And so what he's saying to us in this passage is heirs of Christ. We have found our refuge in Christ. That we have done these wicked things, but we have run to him. We found refuge in him. And because we found refuge in him, we can have this strong encouragement. We can have Hold fast to the hope set before us. But what is the hope that's been set before us? He says it this way in verse 19. He says, we have this, a sure and steady anchor of the soul. Sure and steady, two words that define an anchor. If you've ever been out to sea, you would set an anchor so that when the storms come, the boat doesn't go wandering off. So you set the anchor deep, deep into the sea. And, and when the, the storms come, it, it can't just take the boat wherever the wind and the waves see fit to take it because it has a security in the anchor. And my wonder is this this morning for us. Is our sure and steady anchor been placed in Christ Jesus because of the character of God is our anchor in the character of God or is it in the promises of God my hope is it's twofold but first that our anchor is in the character of God that God's character is what holds us fast that when we are facing life and facing the storms of life and facing life on life's terms that life is not what takes us like, like a ship without a sail or without a rudder, that when life comes, we have a sure and steady anchor that's been planted on the ground. The firm bedrock of Christ and his character and God and his character. That we would hold fast to that. So it's twofold. The anchor holds us fast, but we must hold fast to the anchor. Just because we have an anchor and we don't hold fast to the anchor, it'd be like a ship. A ship always has an anchor. But unless we put hope and trust in that anchor, that the anchor is going to do something for us, we don't place our steadfast holding into the anchor. So yes, the anchor holds us fast, but we also must hold to the anchor. Are you holding fast this morning to the anchor of God's character? God's goodness to us. And he says this, this is the hope that is for our soul that enters into the place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner. This is an amazing picture of what our hope is secure in today. You see what that passage says, verse 19 and 20 is talking about is this. That in the Old Testament, where the, the high priest would go, he would go into the Holy of Holies. He'd only be able to go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And once a year, he'd go in and make a sacrifice to God on behalf of all of God's people. And he would take blood and he would splash it against the altar. And when that, that blood hit the altar, the forgiveness of sins 
happened for the people of God. And, and what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is this, that Jesus went before us. That's what the word forerunner means. The forerunner in an army would go before the people and, and survey the land and stake out the land and, and clear out as much chaos as they could. One person would do all that and plot the course of what would happen. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying we have a forerunner that went before us. He went into the sanctuary. He went into the Holy of Holies. And he's prepared what Jesus says in the Gospels. He's prepared a place for us in the Holy of Holies. He's been our forerunner. And we have hope in the forerunner that's gone before us to prepare a place for us on our behalf. He says he's the forerunner on our behalf. Having becoming the high priest, meaning that he is both the priest that made the sacrifice and the sacrifice himself. And that he went before us into the Holy of Holies, became the priest, sacrificed himself. And then it, what it tells us, we're going to experience this next week. The veil was torn. Now because the forerunner went into the Holy of Holies, he took the veil down. And now all of us who are in Christ Jesus have access to the Holy of Holies into the very character of God. That Christ is our forerunner and split the way for us to come into the Holy of Holies. We no longer need a priest. We no longer need a sacrifice because we have both the priest and the sacrifice in one. His name is Christ Jesus. He is our forerunner. Our hope is Jesus has gone before us and has become for us both our priest and our sacrifice. Therefore, he is our salvation. You see, we can place our hope and have our secured anchor, our anchored hope in all that Christ has done for us. But it comes out of and stems out of the heart of the Father. It stems out of the character of God. The character of God was revealed to us back in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, sin had entered the world. And, and sin entered the world and brought devastation to the world. You see, one of the ways we could sum it up is the coronavirus stems out of Genesis chapter 3, the fall. There, there was never meant to be coronavirus. But because of sin and corruption and death, that has lingered with us since Genesis chapter 3 and will continue to go with us for the rest of the world until God's return through Christ Jesus. But this is what we can say. That God had a plan for us. It was to reveal his character. And his character that he wanted to reveal to us was his love, his kindness, his goodness, and his mercy. And so this morning, as we sit and we struggle with all of this, we struggle with hope. We struggle with finding hope this morning. The news is a pretty hopeless thing to turn on and watch. Have you and have I placed my hope in the character of God? That God is, again, good, kind, loving, merciful, protector, and on and on and on and on I could go about the character of God. My great fear for me in my own life this during this season has been super convicting. 
Have I placed more of my hope in God's promises? Because I don't always see clearly God's promises. Sometimes the way I see God's promises are selfish, self-serving. But that's never the character of God. So though I may see the promises of God, I may get some of them, I probably don't get most of them. But the place I can always see clearly is the character of God. He is unmutable. He never changes. His character never changes. He has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. Have we placed our hope in the character of God? And the character of God has been revealed to us through Christ Jesus, His Son, who was both our priest and our sacrifice that became our salvation. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's character to us. Have we placed our hope and faith and is our anchor secure in Him? Let's pray this morning. God, Your Word is so true. We can hold fast to you. You are our secure hope. You are our secure anchor. I pray for each of us that we would believe we have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone as the forerunner on our behalf. And having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. God, I pray that we would put our hope in your character. And out of your character, you'd reveal your promises. Not that we would put our hope in your promises first. And then hope to see your character. We'd see your character. And then trust your promises. Pray that in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. If you're listening this morning, and again, if you have any prayer requests, any needs, email me, text me, uh, text our uh, church, or call our church, and we'll, we'll get back uh, with you as soon as possible. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer and in worship. God, open our minds as we come to worship you. As Jerry leads us in this song. We praise in Christ's holy name.